Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome everybody to the run.down. I am not Sam, uh, as you may have noticed. I'm Schwinn, uh, but I am subbing in for Sam because he's lazy and he's slacking and he took the night off just like half of the fucking Knicks roster did tonight. Uh, but as always, we are here with Tyrese. That is at London Syria on tw- Twitter. Tyrese, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Um, you know, I watched the YMC and Knicks take it to the Celtics, um, who were playing their entire rotation and roster. And yeah. people will act like that's not significant, but yeah. I know the truth. And Joe Mazzulla was coaching like it was game seven of the finals or something. That was fun. Uh, I'm also joined. Dude, he really was. That's, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's, <laughs> I was saying that on the timeline. Like, yeah, I'm Jeff. I'm Frank Barry. You all know me. <laughs> the way they were defending Jericho, the way they were exploiting Jericho Sims. Like, dude, just save that. Like, I don't understand why they're incentivizing, like, Tibbs to learn, like, A, that Sims can't play power forward, or B, okay, this is how they're going to attack it. Here's how I, like, like they figured shit out tonight why would the celtics want the knicks to do that i I did not get that at all yeah i thought that was weird um we're gonna talk about that before we talk about it though we have a patreon subscribe to that i'm not doing the whole thing it's cool their stuff podcasts and jeff has a new one and it's all fantastic check it out uh but we are also sponsored by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Um, also, uh, if you want to leave us any comments, uh, feel free. If uh, you want to make sure yours gets answered, we are taking super chats, so uh, every little bit helps. But anyway, uh, I I will say, like, so I thought I, I talked about this on the pod, and, and I was really positive that Tibbs would go with, the full rotation tonight because I was like, oh, it's a good opportunity to, you know, play against a real opponent and blah, blah, blah. And now looking at it and seeing the way Missoula coached that, and we know Tibbs, Tibbs can also only coach like as every game, like it is game seven of the finals. Um, I think it was like a smart decision to not play these guys. Not that, not that it's like you're going to hide some huge master, like, oh, they'll never see what's coming now. But I just think to your point, like, there was stuff we learned today that there was no reason for the Celtics to show us that stuff. And I think the Celtics basically showed us what their rotation is going to be, which fine. Cool. Um, I don't know. I thought that was, I thought it was pretty weird. I know you're not a huge fan of the Sims of the four stuff. I don't really like it that much either, but like he had Jalen Brown in fucking jail. Like that was crazy. Um, He's actually a lot better defensively at the four two, which I do think is probably what Tibbs's thing is. I also feel like the offensive drawbacks are pretty significant, but but um, I thought the Knicks, those three guards, really acquitted themselves well. Uh, Divincenzo, 
obviously uh, Deuce and Grimes. And then the other thing that I just keep coming back to is for the major- for all of Mitch's career, effectively, I have been every time he jumps in the air, gets a rebound, goes up to dunk, whatever. I'm always like, Ugh, like, please be okay. And I got to say, watching him during this preseason, this is the most under control and just like the way he's moving physically, it's almost as if he's operating like he's not trying to find space. Like it is his space. He's just taking his space. He's being his physical presence right now is honestly so much more beyond what I thought it would ever be. And obviously the playoffs last year, we saw that as well, but it really feels like he's playing at such a, in such a calm state of mind that is very different from what we've seen of him in the past, right? Like sometimes he can get frenetic under the rim and all that type of stuff. And right now, every time he catches it under the rim, it feels like real calm, real smooth, you know, just catch, maybe take a dribble, go up. Like it's, it's all very much under control. And I'm, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from him so far. Granted it's preseason, but like tonight was a game where I think you actually could take some stuff from it. And obviously, you know, he's going to always struggle with like, defending kp at the five and all that type of stuff and that exists but overall i was just again like very very much impressed with how he played yeah i think mitch has been probably the best player on the team for this preseason granted his role is a lot different than a lot of other players on the team but he just this looks like a regular season game in january for mitch which is like a very good sign because conditioning has been his big weakness over the last um couple of years especially given the foot injuries and working his way back from those so it's really good to see him look as composed as he is two out of four free throws we start small um otherwise like it was a really solid game for him you know he had he led the break (laughs) he led the break today which was the highlight of the preseason um he will look like he looked like Jokic. He looked like a baby, baby, and I stress baby Jokic on the break to Sims. But um, it was good to see him look in control as he was. It looks, he looks good. He looks really good, which is really promising. Um, especially given, again, like I said, uh, the concerns about his health and the concerns about his conditioning going coming into the season earlier in his career. Yeah. Um. I can't believe that we've gotten to a point with Mitchell Robinson where his production is just like kind of boring and kind of guaranteed given how sporadic and volatile he was to start his career. You know, like the impact metrics always loved him even as a rookie, but it felt like it was like 50% of the time he was just everywhere. And then 50% of the time he played eight minutes and had five fouls and did nothing. And now it's just like, as long as he's healthy, you know what you're going to get from him. I don't even like, I don't even know. Like, I think a huge part of it is he finally has really, truly accepted his role. I don't know if that's Tibbs. I don't know if that's him being paid. I don't know what it is. But I don't see any of the, like, pouting, any of the la- – like, he's just like, okay, I'm out here to set screens, box people out, grab offensive rebounds, and defend my ass off. And he knows it. And, like, I feel like he always kind of knew it. But maybe before he got paid, maybe when he was younger and a little bit less mature, he was like – oh, I got to show like a bag and I got to show, you know, the, the shit that like people would call for him for like, oh, he's nothing until he can develop a hook shot and yada, yada. And it's like, 
he was like, oh, actually, instead of trying that, I could just get really good at the few things I'm already good at. And yeah, he's just, he's always out there doing good. Um, I mean, somebody, somebody the other day said you could make the argument that he's the most important player on the Knicks. And like, maybe, I mean, the whole foundation. It was Grimes that said that. Grimes said it. The, the whole foundation is kind of built on him. I, what do the Knicks do if if Mitch gets hurt? I don't even know. Like that's kind of scary to think about. Like we talk about we talk about the Knicks high floor. We talk about you know oh if Brunson went down they have quickly and now I mean look at how well Deuce played. We'll t- we'll talk about Deuce. Like yeah Brunson getting hurt would suck ass and they'd have no playoff ceiling because he's by far their best one on one scorer. But like in the regular season a quickly Deuce point guard rotation like the Knicks were, relative to other teams losing their best player they'd be fine. We uh, saw it last year. They were what seven and six, I think, in games without Brunson. Yeah. Right, and they were. I mean, from a net rating standpoint, they performed better when Brunson was on the bench than when he was on the court, which is right. ridiculous. And even uh, and even that's skewed because like a few of those games, right at the end of the year, were like it wasn't just no Brunson. It was like no Randall, no RJ, no whatever. So um, yeah, like I'm with you on that. I think I will say like I do. I mean, depending on how you're talking about it, right? Because what are we exactly saying in terms of most important? Like you mentioned playoff ceiling versus regular season it, it's all it's very hard i still yeah. think that like randall is the one guy that if he gets hurt in the regular season that totally changes everything um and i would still say i would still put like brunson over him in terms of importance but aside from those two guys i think it's really hard to 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 dispute that um to your point like he's he's that important to this team and like it's kind of why the conversations around him are so stupid where i don't care like people want to judge centers on like their individual skills, right? Like you saw that list today I and mean, every fucking list that comes out, it's like, Oh, Mitch is like the 20th best center. He's the 28th best center. He's the 16th best center. I'm like, you can tell me that <laughs> there are almost no centers in the league that if you swap them in on the Knicks for Mitchell Robinson, that we would be as good or better. Very, very few. Like, and don't tell me like, okay, if you want to say like Embiid and Jokic, like that, that shit doesn't count. We're obviously not talking about those guys. But when you start talking about like DeAndre fucking Ayton, we'd be worse. We'd be so much worse. DeAndre Ayton would come here, and you know what the first thing? You remember you just mentioned this, right? You don't see Mitch pouting. That'd be the first thing DeAndre Ayton would do. We'd hate to fucking like buy him a carton of Kleenex because he'd just be crying the entire time he was here about how he needs more touches and he doesn't feel loved. And could you imagine Tibbs dealing with him? Tibbs would like actually have an aneurysm. Like the way he like has an aneurysm when Deuce had that behind the back pass today, it would be like that, except like he actually would hate Aiden. Like he doesn't actually hate Deuce, right? He would actually hate DeAndre Aiden. So I, I'm I'm totally in agreement with you. Like I, I think there's something to be said of just the skill set and all that stuff, but like he just feels like really it feels like he's in a really mature place mentally now. Like he seems like at a different point in his career. Um, where he's gotten over and you know, getting paid helps, right? He got his contracts. So that that's a huge help. But I also think the fact that he knows Tibbs values him, you know, and all these guys in the team openly talk about how much they value him. So that is validating for a player. And I think it gives you a sense of like, it fills you with confidence in a way, right? Where you're like, I know that these guys, not only do they need me, they believe in me and they trust me and that that means a lot. So I, I think he's in a really good place, and I'm just so impressed with kind of like, again, I, I always say this, like if you told me six years ago 
this would be Mitch, I would be like, are you sure he's not doing like TikToks? Like, is he doing yeah. anything like crazy? Like what's going on here? But yeah, no, this is great. To you see. Think it, do you think it's possible? This, and the, I, have, I obviously have no inside information and this could just be total bullshit. Um, do you think it's possible that the evolution of analytics has helped these guys like a Derek white type, a, a guy who guys who wouldn't have been as appreciated even 10 years ago, there are now, there is now like an influx of people in every front office being like, okay, we know how to value these guys. And yeah, they're not putting up like massive points. You know, Mitch doesn't even like some people point to Mitch's rebounding. You remember like a few years ago, they point to Mitch's rebounding and be oh, like, yeah. he's a terrible rebounder. And now it's like, no, actually he's a really valuable rebounder. We have the debt. So I'm curious, like, I, I wonder if that's it. Like there's, you know, if these guys, these players are aware of like, what impact that is and like you know somebody's somebody's in mitch's ear like hey dude like don't worry it doesn't matter if you score 20 points a game we know how important you are um, i am go ahead good i saw the list i didn't get to see it earlier 28th i honestly like i i get like the the top guys or whatever right like i the sabonis one is always weird because there's playoff whatever but like I get it, right? Sabonis, and then you have Embiid, Jokic. Like, I get those those guys. But then you're like, it's like, oh, fucking... Again, DeAndre Ayton is the one that just, like, drives me... At, like, if you actually think DeAndre Ayton is a better NBA center right now, if your goal is to win basketball games, that he's a better center than Mitchell Robinson, you don't know basketball. Like, you don't. And maybe Ayton's going to get back to being the guy he was when they made the finals. Which was like, I mean, I, I remember me and Tyrese talking about it at that time. Like that was like a, he was everything. He 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 was bought into a lower usage role. He's obviously a really good pick and roll player. He's a more complete scorer than Mitch, and his defense, his ability to execute basically every defensive coverage was amazing. But he doesn't do any of that now, and he's like, I mean, his whole thing dominating, and he's like, he keeps talking about how he's loved now in Portland. I'm like, nobody loves you. Like I promise you, nobody he's fucking loves you. It's going to give it like two months, not in, like give it like a month. And I promise you, Simons and Sharp and Scoot Henderson are going to have like a group chat and they're going to be like, this guy fucking sucks. I hate playing with him. Can we like get Chauncey to fucking get him traded or something? Um, but yeah, like he he's just an underappreciated player. And I think that goes for a lot of Knicks. That, that just because because of, of the way this roster has been constructed and kind of like, Look, I mean, we have talked about this extensively about like one of the frustrations with Tibbs is how defined the roles are for players. But in 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 some ways, I think the definition he has given to what he wants from these roles has allowed guys to slot in. And unfortunately for some of them, that means they're undervalued. Like we've talked about quickly a bunch, but a guy who played great today uh, was Quentin Grimes. And I think Quentin Grimes, even though... He, I feel like Grimes kind of gets more credit than a lot of other guys, but I guess it still does. If you want, <laughs> what was that? It was it was a South Park clip. <laughs> <laughs> but but like I, I I still feel like he doesn't get enough credit, and I mean the season turned on what he did, and it's like you know this is when people are like oh well he shot poorly from three and Josh Hart shot better in the playoffs it's like yeah that doesn't matter and and none of it matters because he's just i mean today again he did he did the thing right where he's just like tatum's trying to dance on him and he's like no 
give me that ball right now. Um, he's great. And if he can just bring the confidence he plays with when he has to take shots, if he can do that when he's playing with the starters and RJ and, and Brunson and Randall are there, it's it, it'll be such a massive boost for this team because when he gets volume up from three, I feel like we never lose those games ever. Like he he's just and and all it, it takes it is it is important to point out, like if we're gonna talk if we're talking you know regular season basketball here, it's hard for Grimes to he doesn't know uh, on any given night if he's going to shoot twice or if he's going to shoot 10 times. And that is a drawback of the current scheme. It's not like, right. And part of it is on Grimes. He was a little passive with the starters in those first yeah. two games. He needs to fire more, but there, if we're being frank, there is this, this does reveal a, like a chink in the armor of this, you know, this scheme that, you know, got us to 117 offensive rating last year, tied for third in the league. There, is, there are rhythm issues for guys outside of Randall and uh, Brunson, in my opinion. I think that's fair. Um, ultimately, there's a happy medium between like getting Grimes involved and also him having to like take the shots that he's supposed to take. Um, and hopefully, they're able to find it throughout the season. But like, when your fourth guy can legitimately go off for like twenty, that's a huge boon especially like given the fact that he does it so effectively for range as well um and how good he is defensively he just is such an x factor for this team i think a lot of people have like pegged him as the x factor for the next season overall um i don't know how much i would agree with that but i can understand the rationale because like if grimes is let's say he's like contagious caldwell pope light or like he is hyper efficient from three, very good um, defender who you could put on like one to three and is able to like get the shots up he's supposed to get up and also is efficient the way that like, a lot of us can be efficient. And also he could do more stuff off the dribble. He could do more stuff as a passer compared to um, KCP. So that ceiling is attainable for him, I think. And if he's able to reach it, or at least get some semi close to it this um this season, like sky's the limit, truly. So he can we uh, can we add, I'd like you two to go first because I do think it's going to end up being me versus you two. Can we address this Jordan Bob question? Because I'm yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm very curious. I, I think it's going to end up being me versus you two. So let's, let's... Any, okay. So this is Jordan Bob. So Jordan Bob asked, "Is I, I like that we're a panel, by the way." Very esteemed panel that we have here. Uh, is anyone the panel? Yeah. Is anyone on the panel afraid of the Celtics? Fuck I mean, no. Okay, I, I, I just, <laughs> do. I think we are better than the Celtics. No. Yes. Do I think we? If you asked me, like, you know, would they be a heavy favorite against us, and would I be comfortable betting the Knicks to win a series against them? No. But I'm not scared of them. Like, I, I don't think that we should go into a series and be like, oh my god, like what are we going to do? I just don't, I don't feel that way really about any team we play. That doesn't mean I think we're a championship contender or that I think we're like some title favorite, but I'm not scared of anybody we play. And, and quite frankly, Boston more so than Milwaukee is a matchup that I think has obvious avenues for us to exploit. Like we will beat them up on the glass. That will happen. We will be able to keep them out of the paint because they can't fucking dribble. Like now, is it hard to keep up with, 
you know, when they're really, when they're shooting the three well and all that stuff, of course, like they are super talented and all that stuff is true. But I just feel like this team is always going to be prone to super volatility, even within games, because the nature of what they're looking to do offensively is that like three point shooting is super volatile. So when it's going well to like, you saw to start this game, they look like the greatest basketball team ever. And once those threes dry up a little bit, they don't look so good. And and we saw this in games with them last year, too. There was a game against them uh, in Boston. Mitch didn't even play this game. This was the one that Sims started. I think they started off that game. They were up like 20 to 5 or something like that really quick because they were just hot from three. But you can't sustain that level of shooting, and we eventually come back in the game. We beat them. And I think over the last three years, we are now eight and two or sorry eight and four against them in that time so like obviously both teams have undergone significant change but i think that says something like that does say something about how we match up against them if you beat a team that consistently over a long period of time i think at the very least it suggests that even with their talent advantage you match up well and pose questions for them that are difficult for them to answer Things are different. They have Porzingis. They have Holiday. Their top end talent is more stacked than it's been in the past. Um, but I still don't feel terrified of playing them. And honestly, I think Joe Mazzulla is kind of like a tool and not that good of a coach. So, you know, I don't think this is like a series where this isn't exactly going against the Heat, right? Where you're like, oh shit, Spose. Like that's an all. That's like a he's going to win them one game right there. Like I don't feel that way about Joe Mazzulla. I think. He, I think he's got one way he wants to play. Like, you want to say Tibbs is stubborn? I think Missoula is pretty fucking stubborn. I think Missoula only wants to play one way, and I think they changed the roster to accommodate his preference. And um, are they better for it? You can argue that, sure. Like, that's not, like, an unfair argument. But I don't think it's, like, this slam dunk that people seem to think that they're definitely better than they were last year. Uh, I think people are really underestimating kind of, like, the value of Robert Williams and Marcus Smart and even Grant Williams, like what these guys provided for them defensively. So am I scared of them? No, I'm not. I think my take on the Celtics right now is that they got super smart and super Horford and they're kind of running it back. Um, They lost their depth. A large part of their depth is gone. Like Grant Williams for all of the jokes that we can make about his free throws, like he was a serviceable eighth man and like having that is huge for that um is huge for like that team's championship contending like they had brog like their bench last year was brogdon robert williams grant williams like they had pritchard there still they had hauser like they had all these dudes right yeah they're seventh and eighth men this year or maybe yeah they're seventh and eighth men this year and i'll send it back to you tyrese after this sorry uh are guys who weren't good enough to be in their rotation last year yeah like so going from a rotation that was legitimately like 10 deep, I would argue like a bench of Brogdon, Grant Williams, uh, Robert Williams. Like that's a, that's like a low end NBA starting lineup. Like legitimately like, so going from that to Peyton Pritchard holding down the fort is going to be a big change. Um, I am just not really convinced that their depth, especially with their bigs, is going to hold up an entire season. 
I think Porzingis is liable to get injured at some point. I think Al Horford is one Balco shipment away from retirement. And I can't even think of their third big. <laughs> I can't even think of their third big. Is their it's, third it's big Cornette. Like, like, if Luke Cornette is getting minutes for you, what's the Nick always the Nick? But, like, if Luke Cornette is going to get minutes for you at any point during the season, significant minutes where you actually need him to hold down the fort, then, like, you're not a threat. So, and I, I'm just going to close this because I, I think this is this has been my entire feeling this entire offseason is they had one extremely significant flaw, I guess two, if you want to put it this way. Their end game offense sucks. Like, that has been their issue for the last two, three years. They get really stagnant. They can't get into sets. They can't get any dribble penetration. Uh, ends up, like, with a lot of bullshit ISOs and jacking up threes. That's just what their endgame offense kind of devolves into. And they were one of the worst passing teams. I think they were the, I think they had a second. They might have been the worst passing team in the league after us last year in terms of assist rate. Um, they're a terrible passing team. I don't think anything they've done has improved that. Like, Again, they will always look good when the threes are going in. They're not a good passing team, and they're not a good ball handling team. And I'm sorry, like, if you want to tell me Drew Holiday is a better basketball player than Marcus Smart, obviously I think that's more than fair. I would also suggest that in the playoffs, there's a case to be made that Marcus Smart is a better player than him, especially offensively. And um, I think as a ball handler and passer, just in those two things, I think I trust Marcus Smart more in endgame situations than than Drew Holiday. So can I hop in right here since you know? No, I'm the, no, I'm the... no, no, no. You so were going to praise them, so we can't do that, Jeff. I'm sorry. If you praise Drew Holiday, you're <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm actually not going to praise praise Drew Holiday. What I'm going thank to say, God. What I'm going to say is that, in my opinion, you can make the argument that Drew was overextended with the Bucks because yeah. teams figured out that Giannis can't isn't isn't a hub like Giannis. For all how great he is, he could very well be the second best player in the NBA. The idea that he's better than Jokic right now is a pun intended joke to me. Wow. But, um, Crazy Giannis, racism over here. Yeah, Giannis is <laughs> incredible, but he's not a hub. And with Middleton battling injuries the last two seasons, Drew Holiday was playing 40 plus minutes a game, and they were like, go be kind of our number one option. That's not Drew Holiday, that's not what he is. And so, yes, his like biggest flaw trying to initiate offense and creating shots for himself were heavily exposed. That's like not why he's a good player. Maybe putting him in a in a in a lineup with more space, in a lineup with Jason Tatum and a lineup with Jalen Brown, maybe he can just go back to being Drew Holiday in the playoffs. And what you're, and I'm not saying he's like great. I'm not saying like whatever, but maybe he'll be what Marcus Smart was. You know, like because so, he won't have to do as much. So my, I hear that. And I do think like, there's something to be said for that. My, my thing with this is like, he's always been a higher usage player than Marcus Smart. Always, always in his career. So he's, he can take a backseat offensively, but he's still going to be a 20 plus usage guy. That's part of the deal when you get Drew Holiday. And ultimately, I think the main issue with the Celtics has been like, Marcus Smart Let's just say, let's say he's let's say he's a worse ball handler initiator than Drew Holiday, right? But their problem has been that they don't have a good enough one, and therefore they have to extend Jason Tatum, right? They have to extend Jalen Brown. And as talented and as good as Drew Holiday and Porzingis are, 
I don't think that solves that. Like maybe it gives them better spacing. They have guys that can create more when they spray the ball out to them, whatever you want to call it. But like, I still think fundamentally what they are lacking is still there. Now they are more talented. And so what I feel like the bet they're making is more or less is maybe it's not a sum is the, the, what is it? The, the sum is not as great as the parts or whatever. Right. Like, it's like the they, whole 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 is less than the sum of the of yes the right so like I think they're they might believe that but they're also like but even ninety percent of what the sum should be is better than anybody else's hundred percent and that's not an unreasonable bet to make because that top four and then you I mean look we've been we keep saying top four I think Derek White's a hell of a player like include Derek White in there like that's not an unreasonable bet to make. I still think that at the end of the day, if you don't have a guy that you can just trust to create in pick and roll in ISOs at the end of games, it's really, really hard. And I still don't believe they have that guy. Um, so like, again, to answer like uh, Nick's tape puts here, Caesar food. I agree. Uh, but like, I still feel pretty strongly that I would, if all things like if let's say everybody's healthy, right, I would still take the Bucks over them in the East. I, I still think I'll bet on the top end talent because as good as this, the the Celtics top end talent is, I'm taking Dame and I'm taking Giannis, especially offensively in terms of Dame, like how those two guys play off each other. I'll take that over over Boston's thing they have going on. The funny thing is, is I feel like. I feel almost similar to last year, like, or like last season, my whole thing was I would have rather played the Celtics than the Bucks as a Knicks fan. But if the Celtics played the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, I would have taken the Celtics. There's yes. something weird about that Celtics Bucks matchup, direct matchup. The Celtics just kind of have Giannis figured out. It's like a combination of well, like they don't call fouls on Boston as much and like well, they, they just Williams. Grant Williams was really big for that, actually. Yeah. He was a really good Giannis defender. And Robert Williams was, too. And, like, I know Porzingis is a really good rim protector, but Williams was really strong, and so was Grant Williams. Those guys were physically stout, you know? And I don't – I mean, again, like, they're just – this team just feels kind of soft. Like, I, I mean, I know Tatum got his real big boy rebound over Deuce today or over DiVincenzo, and, like, Wally was like, oh, man, look at this guy. So I'm like, dude, relax. Um, but – yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with this matchup. I think it's like a decent matchup for us. And, um, yeah, let's let's go back a little bit to the game though. We we talked a little. We talked about Grimes. We talked about Mitch. Um, Tyrese, just like, what did you think of what Deuce McBride did? Because I was impressed. Deuce McBride. Um, I'm I'm excited for Deuce, man. I his defense is otherworldly like the way he's able to anticipate passing lanes like i would just love to see a world where deuce mcbride is like a 20 minute a night rotation player because that guy's getting all defense votes he might actually make the damn team like are you mike breen breen <laughs> says that breen breen literally says that once a game no um <laughs> I 
honestly, he's right because like that defense is special, and if he could just be a neutral on offense, like you're looking at somebody who can legitimately play themselves into like a starter on like a championship team, if not just like a very key rotation player, like he just looked in control. He looked like he knew what he was doing. Obviously he's playing against like the Celtics. So he's not going to put up the sexy stats, but like, I don't know how you don't come away from that game feeling incredibly impressed about Deuce, especially just like you already knew his defense was there. Like if his offense could just get a bit better, and I feel like a lot of that was just because he was overextended. But like, man, I, I am so, so excited to watch Deuce play. Um, and get I hope he gets an opportunity. His, yeah, get ready for his 370 minutes played this season, Tyrese. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I His take, uh, he had that take today on Tatum that was just like, I was like, what? Like, you're doing this now? Um, That was really impressive. I... I I mean, Jeff, I was on here after the first preseason game, and I, and we talked. I, I remember, like, I was disappointed because he was not aggressive. He was not looking for a shot, and like, obviously, a function. Some of this today was a function of like he kind of had to because of the lineups he was in, but he did it, and I was like, I, I was just really impressed that he was as aggressive as he was, and it wasn't just like. Let me just take jumpers, right? He got to the he got to the rim a few times. He had one where he totally big boyed Peyton Pritchard. Like that was a really, really impressive take. So um, not that like Pritchard is a that's kind of the point, right? Pritchard is a guy he he should be able to capitalize on. And he did. Um, and to do kind of what he did with the spacing issues made it even more impressive to me. And his handle's definitely gotten better. I will say that. Yeah, it has. One thing that's always got to be considered is like, okay, this isn't G League. I'm not comparing this to G League, but everybody's always like, oh, dude's putting up these numbers in G League. Why can't you replicate it in the NBA like, or some version of it? And it's like, yeah, when you're allowed to get into a rhythm and you always have the ball in your hands, you're going to be more confident shooting. He, Deuce has yet to, in his two seasons, figure out – how to develop a rhythm playing off ball a ton, you know, and not touching the ball. And that's, that's really how he, that's his next step. And if he gets there, he's, I mean, he's already a rotation player, like with what he does on defense and like, he's not killing you on offense, even if he doesn't touch the ball because he's just not like a, he's not like a high volume and efficient guy. He's just there, you know, like he knows what he's doing. And he understands Um, how to like space the floor and all that. Right. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Um, And the last thing I'll say about Deuce is he is the reason, one of the reasons why I'm so anti this whole notion that Sims at power forward needs to be the answer if Randall or Hart gets hurt. Because, like, if if Hart gets hurt, like, why can't the Knicks just go Deuce quickly, Deuce quickly, DiVincenzo, RJ, and Hartenstein as the bench unit? Why? I don't understand. We have evidence of Deuce, Quickly, and Grimes, two-year sample of those three working together. So just flip DiVincenzo in there for Grimes. It'll still, like, DiVincenzo can do 80 to 90% of what Grimes does. And, like, this is why I think RJ should be getting some of these minutes at power forward to prepare for this because I just don't understand the point. Like, you, you, I was actually tweeting from the main Strickland account tonight. I saw progress from Sims at power forward tonight, especially defensively. Yep. But – 
I could clip 15 possessions tonight that just ended or didn't have a chance because Sims was on the court playing power forward. 15. Like, multiple shot clock violations where Sims is just alone and the Knicks are playing four on five. That And this isn't a preseason game. Like, I, I agree with what you said at the opening show. The Celtics were playing very smart and very hard to the point where, like, you were like, wait a second, what kind of game is this right now? But that's the kind of defense they're going to get from most teams who have a clue. They're just going to be like, why – why do we care that this guy's out there? And that's not a tenable strategy, especially when Jalen Brunson is on the bench for most of those minutes. Cause if there was one guy who could make a four on five work, it's Jalen Brunson. He's the best one-on-one player the Knicks have. So, you know, quickly and RJ being the main initiators on a team where Isaiah Hardenstein isn't the most exploitable big on the court is just not going to work. And I am not as convinced that, Deuce quickly, Deuce quickly, DiVincenzo, RJ, and Hardenstein wouldn't work. I think it would work. And I think it's kind of annoying that we won't even see if it could potentially work because we're so dead set on like, well, if it, if the, if we have to, Jericho Sims is going to be out there at power forward because we need size at rebound. Even though we give up a ton of offensive rebounds when Jericho Sims is playing power forward and like we don't dominate the defensive class. It's crazy to me. Like, and by the way, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say one more yeah. thing. The whole thing, everybody does it. We've been like gaslit into thinking this way. I need, I just need to, I just need to get this off my chest. Whenever you bring up an answer, if you're just like, hey, this lamp's really stupid, the answer is always, well, Tibbs likes X, as if this one thing trumps everything else, as if it's not just about how much you win your minutes by. Like Tibbs loves Alfred Payton's size at the point of attack. Okay, but they're getting killed when he plays. <laughs> Tibbs loves Jericho Sims' size on the rebound. He doesn't want to give that up. Why doesn't he just want to win the minutes by more? I don't understand it. I don't get why we've been gaslit into thinking that, like, oh, because Tibbs emphasizes this one thing, that's logical. Like, I could hire a murderer to run a lemonade stand, and I could be like, oh, I really value, uh, I don't know, some bullshit. And you would be like, no, dude, it's still a murderer running a lemonade stand. What the fuck are you talking about? You know, like, I just, I don't understand it. Like, it's, it's crazy to me. So Jericho Sims is a murderer. Uh, good to know. Uh, I, uh, I will. I you love Jericho Sims. That's the most frustrating thing. I love that guy. Like, you, just, he's a center. You would you buy you his lemonade? Too. So, I, I would, no, I actually... Jericho Sims is weird. Okay. This is what I, th- I think Jericho Sims is a power forward who has the offensive skill set of a center. If you put him on this Celtics team and played him next to Porzingis, that would be a pretty interesting look. Because I think some of the ball skills he showed today were impressive. I thought his, like his, some of his cutting, actually, I was like kind of surprised to see his ability to recognize when he should cut. And, and I do think he's good with the ball on the perimeter for a big guy. Like he can make, he can get the ball pivot, go into a dribble handoff. Like he is good with some of this stuff. And I think that's, that's real. Like that's a real talent, but unless Tibbs wants to try Randall at the five, it doesn't really matter. Like you're not going to utilize, you're you're not going to even come close to getting the utility that you're looking for out of him. Because I will say defensively, man, I, I can't, I I really like what he was doing to Jalen Brown was incredible. Like honestly, incredible. There was that one possession where Brown straight up tried to ISO on him for like 10 seconds, went absolutely nowhere, had to pick up his dribble at the free throw line. 
And then I think he like threw it out to Porzingis like 25 feet beyond the, the arc. And no, he hit Tatum and Tatum, oh, was nailed, Tatum nailed a contested three. Oh, right. That was the one on Grimes. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like, but that possession, like, he is a freak athlete and he's a freak athlete in a way that is super unique, but we don't put him in lineups offensively that make any sense right now. So I'm not sure what the solution is for that. Like, we don't have a stretch five really. Not, definitely not one that Tibbs is going to trust. Um, so it is what it is, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I get your point. And all I will say is that I know that the Knicks, look, I understand that when you take Obi Toppin or Tyrese Halliburton, that means you're not good at drafting. Um, but I would say aside from that, like they've done a decent job with, you know, guys like quickly and Grimes and, and Deuce and Sims and, you know, all Trevor these, Keels. Yeah. Trevor Keels, amazing pick, but like, no, really those four guys though, to whatever extent, I don't want to debate like the what are they role players, or whatever. But those guys, to all varying levels, are like rotation caliber NBA players, and um, that's not nothing. That's especially in the case of like Sims, you get him at the 58th pick. It's basically undrafted guy. You know what I mean? Like he may as well be an undrafted guy. So that's really legit. And then obviously Deuce, with Deuce, it's just about making shots. Like if he makes shots, that guy's a super positive rotation player who has like, he's not as versatile as quickly because I still don't think the on on the ball game is at that level. Um, and I don't know if it's ever going to be, but he's very similar in terms of like, he slots in very nicely next to a lot of guards. And you saw today, like drew holiday is one of the strongest guards in the league. He tried to body deuce a couple of times and got nowhere. Like he, he did not, if he beat him, he beat him off the bounce, but he did not, you know, just you, you've seen drew at times, like in his career, You'll see this where he'll just like not really do a move. He'll just fucking like shoulder barge into a guy and back them down all the way to the rim and just lay it up. He could not do that to Deuce today. He actually did it to Grimes once, but he didn't do it to Deuce. Deuce is strong as hell. How many steals did he have? I don't even know four. what the hell the four. Like he 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 was everywhere. Jalen Brown should never dribble against Deuce McBride. Um, or just in general, like should just not dribble. But um yeah, he look, that was a really encouraging performance from him, from Grimes, from Mitch, even from Sims. You know, I'll, I'll say it like I, you know, I, I totally agree with the, sh- the things you're bringing up, Jeff, in terms of like Sims at the four. But just on an individual level, the stuff that we saw from him um, was really encouraging. And like all three of those guys and they did it against the Boston starters, which is why it matters. Right. They, they didn't. They, it, this wasn't like, oh, they were cooking on Peyton Pritchard and Luke Cornett. Like, no, they did a good job against Boston's top-end starters in a game where Boston was basically playing what I would guess is going to be their opening day rotation. Um, and and I mean that in terms of like how they started the game, when the subs came in, all that stuff. It was really impressive and from, from those four guys specifically. And like um, that was cool to see. And obviously Mitch as well. But like I, I, I do want to just pour one out though. Uh, want to pour one out for for the uh, people that are like, well, what if Evan Fournier can carve out a role for himself this year? If you think Evan Fournier has any place being playing minutes against a team that actually gives a shit, you're kidding yourself. Like he could not move. He can't, he can't move. He doesn't fucking rebound. He doesn't want to rebound. He doesn't want to defend. He can't defend. He won't take threes half the time for some reason now, unless he dribbles and then takes a step back. Uh, he takes the dumbest floaters I've ever seen. He plays with blinders on when he puts the ball on the deck. Uh, I'm, if he, and and I will say, like, I was a little bit concerned after the first two 
preseason games. So it was very nice today to see Tibbs make it very clear. Like there is a delineation between uh, Evan Fournier and the nine rotation players we have and the uh, two situational guys in Deuce and Sims. Um, so uh, that was cool. Thoughts on Fournier? And then also we haven't talked about him at all. I really liked what I saw from DiVincenzo tonight as well. I mean, Fournier exists. Isaiah Roby better. Um, Isaiah Roby was cooking tonight. Low key, low key. Everett Fournier, Isaiah Roby minutes. Who are you taking? Roby. Okay. Okay. Just, just glad to be in agreement. I would take oh. you over Evan Fournier minutes. I take Jeff right. over Evan Fournier minutes. All right. I would take, maybe I would take Drew. Maybe. I don't know. It's <laughs> 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 definitely not taking stacy over evan though unfortunately sam sam uh, sam's probably stronger than evan fournier so yeah i mean sam is also probably taller he's not but he is tall six five whatever <laughs> i just add an inch to height every time i talk about sam's height <laughs> anyway, i thought, I thought um, an encouraging thing about divincenzo's game tonight was like there's this thing in Tibbs's offense where like you, ex- so a guy gets hurt. Like you see it all the time. A guy gets hurt and you expect the pecking order to increase like li- progressively or like linearly. So like, if you're the third option, Oh, this guy, the top options out there, you're going to become the second option, but really somebody just takes the number one option spot and then everything else stays the same, you know, like, and so like you watch DiVincenzo play with guys that he's clearly ahead of in the pecking order. And you're like, God, is he just going to play his same role while like Deuce McBride carries a 35 usage for this game? Because that's how tips offense works. And I really liked how he got himself involved and like is seeming to like find ways to get himself involved within on both ends within the structure of the offense. Like he's not, He's not forcing it. It seems very fluid. It seems very natural, but I like that he's shooting more willingly. He shot a couple of deep ones today and he's got the like the first one he made was like that was like a 28 footer. Yeah. That was that was, that was yeah. And again, we're gonna say it every game. Like, oh, actually, you know what? I'm not gonna go on the same random every game. I'm gonna bring up something new. He's a great rebounder. Yeah. He yeah. he goes after contested rebounds, and that's gonna be huge for this bench unit especially with now hard at power forward, you know, Tibbs, you know, the way he works and he, just like all of us, he has biases towards things he likes. The second that bench unit struggles, he's going to start looking for the times we bleed offensive rebounds. And if the Knicks bleed offensive rebounds, he's going to be looking that I'm not saying that that unit's going to have a quick hook, but I am saying that Tibbs isn't just going to sit around and watch that unit get crushed on the offensive glass. He's not. Um, and so DiVincenzo and quickly and Hart, they're going to be very big. And like, look, that just leaves RJ, but RJ's trying more too on the boards this preseason. He did it in FIBA and whatever his motivation is, if it's because he likes getting out in, in transition more and he knows that if he grabs the rebound, that's his best chance of getting out in transition, whatever, as long as he's fighting on those boards, it's four guys, they need to all be t- together and they need to be fighting on the boards because like I said, Tibbs is, he's not just going to, Oh, shucks. Yeah. This is our lineup. And I don't care that we're seeding offensive rebounds. It's going to infuriate him if that's what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. Um, 
I, I just think so watching him play, I was like it feels like he's introducing some like warriors chaos into our into our lineups. Like, no, 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 no. I will just try some weird dribble handoff thing. And I'm like, are you sure that's a good idea? And he's just does it. Uh, I would like if he made a layup at some point, that would be cool. Um, but no, for real, like I think the fact that I don't think he's a primary, I don't really love him running pick and rolls, but sometimes you just need a guy to do some shit. And he's seems like he seems to understand when it's time for him to just do some shit where it's like, okay, nothing's happening. I have the ball. I have to try to make something happen. I, I like that. I like the confidence he plays with. Like it's, it's not always good decisions. He he made a couple of dumb passes today. And I look, some of that also has to do with the spacing and whatever. We don't need to keep like hammering this point at home that the lineups are weird, but like he's just willing to do things and put the ball on the deck and, and make plays. And we know one thing that Tibbs hates and simultaneously loves like he hates guys that are indecisive. He will always give you more benefit of the doubt if you make a mistake, but that mistake is done in the uh, in like a very forceful, confident way. Like he hates guys that are tentative, right? So if you fuck up, but you it's a loud mistake, he's probably more apt to like give you a little more rope than he is otherwise. But yeah, man, like I think this DiVincenzo signing is going to be good. Um, the other part, and I don't think people are giving this enough credit, is he's 26. Like He's probably going to get better. He's entering his prime years. They have him locked up on a pretty nice deal. The bigger thing, too, is like you've got to understand, this was a guy who a lot of people thought was, I'm not saying he was on the cusp of stardom or something. He never was. But people were talking about him entering his fourth year in the league. Is like, no, this is a guy who can take a really serious step, right? He can take a really big step this year. Um, but he was coming off an injury, and I think that injury really set him back a full season. So even when he came back, he wasn't good that year at all. They had, obviously, they trade him to Sacramento. That entire weird thing happens there. He ends up in Golden State. He had a really good year last year in Golden State. And that was kind of his – that was the year that he got his legs under him, right, after the – did he have an ACL? Is that what it was? It was uh, like a foot. Was it a foot? Okay. Whatever it was, but you could tell, like, he was obviously much moving much better physically last year, but it would not surprise me if, like, it's even better now because generally sometimes it's just how it works. And also, like, you know, he kind of lost a year of his development in a lot of ways. So I think this, I really am bullish on this signing. I like how he fits. I think people really underestimate too. You're, team has a personality and it's important to like add players that add to that and fit in and i just think he's such an easy like he just makes sense with everybody on this team both on the court and just like as a personality and in the locker room like i just it, it just makes sense and i i really like this addition um are we a little too undersized maybe it was kind of funny to see like it is really funny to see how guard heavy this team is like Brunson, quickly, Deuce, DiVincenzo, and then like even our wings are guard size, right? Like Grimes and and Hart. But it's a fun team. I don't know. I I was really encouraged by what I saw from DiVincenzo today. His defense was really good. He he picked Drew Holiday clean on one play that today. Um, he 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 was very impressive to me. His defense, like between him and quickly and Deuce, like our guard defense. Is probably among the best in the league. So 
Uh, I'm very, very excited to see this team. And I'm, I'm even more excited than I was now to see, to see DiVincenzo. I just thought he, his first two games was kind of like, felt like he was feeling it out. Today felt very much like, and again, obviously the fact that we're shorthanded is part of it, but he definitely seemed more aggressive and, and more comfortable calling his own number and trying to make things happen. I also think that um, the fact that this team plays bigger, I think everybody in the rotation plays bigger than they are, um, especially in the case of like guys like Grimes and Quickly and Deuce, where like they're six one, six three, six five, whatever, but like they play like a position above their height, which is huge for the defensive ceiling of this team when you're able to throw them on multiple bodies, multiple types of positions. Um, back to Steve Vincenzo though, like I loved the signing when it happened. Um, I was very bullish to use a Schwinn word on the signing, um, as well, just because of the ceiling that he gives as a shooter, what he can do as a defender, his ability to do things as a secondary creator, and also his ability to generate events because this team doesn't really generate events. And I feel like the fact that he's able to gamble makes it so that other people in the team are more likely to gamble as well because they have that protection in a DiVincenzo. Um, I talked about it last stream where I feel that quickly is probably the guy who benefits most defensively from DiVincenzo because DiVincenzo would take that um, that on-ball matchup and quickly is best as a roamer on defense where he can like muck up passing lanes and he can get his long wingspan into passing lanes in order to get steals and create events. So I think that bench unit is going to create a lot of events and I think it's going to be honestly built on the back of their defense because I feel like their offensive ceiling isn't the highest, but the fact that their defense is so interchangeable because you have guys like Hart who can guard bigger wings, but he could also switch into like some of the bigger twos in the league. And then you have guys like DiVincenzo and DiVincenzo can like guard realistically one, two. He could guard probably smaller wings as well. And then quickly he could guard one, two, three, in my opinion, at least. So like having that unit and if RJ can like put it together defensively, that's a very switchy and interchangeable unit with Harnstein who doesn't have, he isn't no slash in the perimeter either. So like I think that bench unit is really potent, really high octane, but high octane defensively more than offensively, which is a funny high octane lineup, but I think it fits because like that team is so switchy and so um bigger than they appear, even though there isn't a traditional wing within the lineup. Yeah. Um yeah, I think you guys did a great job there. So that's my contribution. <laughs> Dante Dante is just a really cool player. It's just a the thing that bothered me about that is how so many people turn the conversation into the whole Villanova thing. Like that's just, I don't know. It just seems like devoid of any actual analysis. And it's like, okay, so let's say DiVincenzo went to Duke. What would you think of the signing then? Like he's the same player, but he went to Duke and it's like, everybody likes him as a player. So why does it matter that he, isn't it actually a good thing that he went to the same college as Brunson? They have chemistry. It, it, it helps faster. Like that, that's a good thing. I don't I just don't understand it. Shrink, you read it. This this happened with when we signed Brunson. This happened when we traded for Josh Hart, where it's like the conversation isn't about what it adds to the team. Like the Brunson thing is a perfect example, right? In the sense of we watched obviously that 2021-22 season, and 
the main frustration thing all of us had, we were like, well, one, why didn't you start quickly at all? Because you were dominating his minutes in like every which way possible. Mm-hmm. So why did you not start him? And then two, because you didn't start him, it was very obvious that the biggest hole, the biggest area for improvement uh, with the rotation as it existed was getting a solid starting point guard. And so like, you know, everything about that Brunson signing was like, oh, well, he's CAA and the Knicks signed his, his dad as the assistant coach. And like, it was everything about like, the circumstances around signing him, right? Oh, he's Leon Rose's godson or whatever. And it's like, okay, but w- what about like actually just him on the team? How does that benefit us, right? And then with Josh Hart, it was like, oh, well, he's CAA and and he's a Nova guy. And he, it was like, okay, but like he how, he helps us, right? So like, how does he help us? Why would this help us? And it's like, the conversation is just always about other shit it's not about the actual player and divincenzo is like 100 you know like whatever you think about ob unless you think the size materially matters which if you think that i don't think i disagree but i don't think that's unreasonable if the size if you don't think the size materially matters then what do you think the knicks actually downgraded on because to me the ob leak out stuff barely mattered last season um if you're three-point shooting, DiVincenzo clearly is a better three-point shooter than, than Obi. He's a definitely a better ball handler. He is a better perimeter defender. He is a better, or at least an equal rebounder, let's say. Like, there's really nothing here that to me is like, well, I, I've seen people call it like a lateral move, and I'm like, I, I don't... Wh- I just don't see that. Like, I think this is like a pretty clear upgrade for how very specifically how the Knicks play. If you want to say like, we could have gotten more in OB if we did X, Y, and Z thing. Sure. Fine. But we weren't going to do X, Y, and Z thing. We have Tibbs as our coach. We play a certain way. This is how we're going to do it. Teams have to make tough calls and teams have to establish an identity. And it's important that once you establish an identity, if you're adding players to that, that you're cognizant of it. The Knicks already learned that lesson with Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish never made sense on this team. Tibbs would never adapt to him. And to be fair to Tibbs, you know, cheers to Tibbs. Like, he knew who exactly that motherfucker was. He knew exactly who Cam Reddish was the day that he came in. And he must have, like, I bet he he probably watched Cam Reddish, like, once in college when he was like the president of basketball operations in Minnesota. And he probably watched one game and was like, this guy, fuck this guy. Like no shot. I'm never like, this guy sucks. Um, But they learned a lesson from that. Like, I think they learned a lesson from that where it's like, okay, well, if we're going to stick with Tibbs, there's certain guys personality wise, player type wise, skill set wise, that makes sense that, that he will play that will, that he will feel comfortable playing and we'll actually get a good, return on investment. DiVincenzo, he just checks off all the boxes there. And to your point, Jeff, he checks off the boxes of like, I don't think there's going to be some long adaptation period with him, right? Like he has a connection with guys on this team. And even like, I don't know, we haven't seen him and quickly play much together, but I'd be fucking shocked if they're not awesome together. I'd be shocked if him and Brunson aren't awesome together, or if he can't play well at the two next to RJ at the three or if he can't play with the two next to Grimes at three, or like 
whatever the combination of players, I just have a hard time believing that DiVincenzo isn't going to be a good fit. Like even Julius, right? Like I think he'll play really well off Julius. Um, so uh, to, it just, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a no brainer, but like once we kind of started getting connected with him in free agency, I was like, yeah, I see it. That's fine. And I was not, and I, I never believed the whole like, well, if we add DiVincenzo, like, guess that means we got to make another move now for something else. I'm like, eh, what if he's just replacing Obi? I think that's possible, uh, which obviously that's what it's turned out to be. Um, so we'll see how it turns out. But yeah, I, I'm very encouraged by what I saw from him. And honestly, I'm very encouraged by what I saw from almost everybody that mattered tonight. Like, just aside from, yeah. Sorry, say, no, I was gonna I, say everybody. Who's the except? Well, I wasn't gonna say like I not that it didn't really worry me, but like Hartenstein certainly did some funny things today. Oh, um, I thought he played great. No, I like I liked how he played. He just did some very funny things. Like he was really intent on trying to like drive at Porzingis for some reason. Yeah. Uh, which ended very poorly for him most times. But no, I mean I I, I even if he played poorly, it wouldn't matter to me. Like this is why it's hard to care about these games because these games don't matter to me. Like that. I know who these guys are. We, we know who this team is. There's not a lot of shit. We're figuring out all these dudes have established baselines as like pretty solid regular season players to varying degrees. There's not a lot of like shit. We're figuring out. I think it's more exciting, right? Like for a team like the Rockets where you're watching them and you're like, well, what? Oh, like how is this rotation going to be? Is this guy actually good? Or is this just preseason? Like, we know these guys are good regular season players. So even if Hartenstein came out today and stunk it up, I'd have been like, okay, whatever. Who cares? Like, he'll be fine. Yeah. No, yeah. I I just thought that – I thought he tried really hard, which was, like, cool to say. Like, he was – especially on the offensive glass. And, I mean, he was one of three from three. He was – he had ten points on five of eight shooting from inside the arc. So I, I guess I kind of disagree that he wasn't effective when – and then just looking at it from a long-term view, Hardenstein being able to do that adds value because there are possessions when the Knicks just sort of have nothing going. And Hardenstein like, is like, oh, okay, we're not creating an advantage. I can create an advantage. You know, like I, I can just do it. Like you don't want him doing that all the time, of course, but like the fact that he can do it and is growing there. And he's willing to do it. And he's willing to do it. Exactly, yeah. Um, to me, that kind of separates him from just being like a Mitch clone, you know, like Mitch is never going to have the ball at the top of the key and just be like, well, I mean, he might, but Tibbs might ban him from the game the rest of the game. If he tried it, I don't know, dude, we saw him lead a fast break today. We did. And we've (laughs) seen him, we've seen him do once we've seen him once do the fake handoff and then drive past uh, Mason Plumlee and dump the ball. He did it last year against the Celtics actually. Yeah. He did do it to the Celtics once last year. Yeah. 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 So we've seen it twice then. I just remember (laughs) the Mason Plumlee one. But yeah, I mean, I thought Hardenstein was good. I mean, your point is just so well taken, though. Like the Knicks nine-man rotation, we know what they have. The how they play, how the league reacts to them, and then how the Knicks react to how the league reacts to them. That's what's going to be interesting, and that's why we just need the games to start. I um, I'm a little bit more nervous than you guys are. I think about the start of the season. I mean, the schedule is so tough. I don't know. I, I could. I just hope it's not a slow start. But Tib, Tibbs teams don't usually start seasons all that well. They usually pick it up around one third of the way in or one fourth, whatever you want to call it. About 20 games in is when like typically they start taking off. We saw this 
the first year they would they started 11 and 14 right make the rose trade obviously they finished the season super strong from there last year 10 and 13 finished the season super strong we don't talk about 20 2021 22 honestly if he had just fucking done the right thing would have been the same thing it would have been the same fucking thing we would have started we were like what nine to nine or nine and ten or whatever the fuck it was and he did the right thing with starting burks but then he took out Kemba and left quickly in the bed. Whatever. We don't have to revisit. But it would have been the same fucking thing. It would have been the same thing. We would have been like, oh, wow. Tibbs did like he figured it out 20 games in and we went to the playoffs. Like if there's some weird stuff going on in the first 20 games, am I going to react to it emotionally in real time? Yes. Uh, but I will say this now so it's on the record. I would suspect that even if the Knicks get off to a slow start, you should not be too worried about it. And they'll probably end up closing the season in the final 55, 60 games extremely well and make the playoffs as a top six seed. Good bet. Uh, I mean, again, you keep bringing up the schedule and I'm just kind of like, eh. I, I, I don't think the schedule is particularly daunting. Um, well, we get to play our, our favorite. We get to dog walk Cleveland a couple of times early in the season, right? I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. On Halloween, no less. That'd be the spookiest thing you see on TV. You're going to go watch Saw in theaters or you're going to go watch what <laughs> Mitchell Robinson just did Jared Allen on national audience. Well, Dude, I, gotta... saw, I, saw, I saw the new Saw in theaters and it was me and this mother with her two daughters. Like those are the only people in the whole theater. And they didn't know it was a franchise. So like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting behind them listening to them like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm just like, well, yeah, you got like, what? And it was like actually pretty good. Like, I don't know. I don't really like horror movies, but I think the Jigsaw arc is pretty interesting. And yeah, it was good. Um, but they were just like so confused. They were like, who are these people? Uh, but I mean, like, I guess I could do my yearly prediction of the schedule. Um, I think we, I I think we beat this. I think we beat the Celtics opening night. Um, is that in Boston? No, it's in New York. I hate that. I hate that. I think we beat them opening night for the Knicks, at least. Um, I I I do that. That is like that does feel like a very like tipsy like we're gonna try so insanely hard this first game of the season type of win. Yeah, I think we beat the Hawks. It's the Hawks. Okay, I will. I I want. I think the Hawks. I think they're gonna finish in the top six. Um, <laughs> I think they're gonna finish in the top six. I think they will be a top six seed. I like what I've seen in them in preseason. I like that Trey is actually moving and doing stuff off the ball right now. I like everything I've seen from Jalen Johnson. He looks like he's gonna be a real nice piece for them. I I don't really care about anybody they lost this offseason like oh they like getting rid of john collins to me is a net positive that was a net positive move for them so who's um, out for you philly or miami miami, miami. Uh, because i just I'm because i don't think miami, miami doesn't care I, I don't think they give a shit like they they just want to get to the plan really? in one piece yeah i just think they want to get to the plan in one i piece. just don't trust my like i don't think miami's been a really good regular season team aside from like that one year they finished first but like that was so otherwise too otherwise they've been eighth They've been like the bottom half of the East for the last like since Jimmy Butler since Jimmy Butler got there they've been like fifth, sixth, yeah, and and I, and I don't even eighth. mean this as like I don't think this is arrogance on their part. Like I think they know it's more important for them to manage Jimmy and Kyle Lowry and these dudes like 
manage them, get them to the play in playoff, whatever in one piece. And then from there, they're not scared of anybody. There's no matchup. They're going to be like, Oh my God, how do we beat this team? Right. Cause they've be- they've beaten Boston twice in the playoffs. They've beaten Milwaukee twice in the playoffs. Like, They've already beaten these teams to the point. I don't think they're scared of them. Obviously, they've beaten us. They've beaten Philly. Like, have they beaten yeah, Philly? I don't even, yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, they, 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 right. They, yeah, they've beaten Philly. They've beaten everybody. So, like, I don't think they care about who they match up with. They certainly don't care about home court. Um, I, mean, like, I, I just let me just toss this thing yeah. in. I don't think they care about either of those things either. I would just assume they would care about – they almost didn't make the playoffs last year because they made the plan. Like they were losing to Chicago with three minutes left in the fourth quarter of that game. Like I, that would scare the shit out of me if I was them. I would want to get, even if it's just the sixth seed, I would want to not deal with that. Right. But to them, it's like, I think they would make the bet. Like Jimmy's just, he's going to miss like 20 games, 25 games, whatever it is. He's going to, that's just what comes with the territory. Um, Kyle Lowry is not going to play a shit ton of minutes because he can't. And they desperately need him now in the playoffs because they don't have Gabe Vincent. Like they lost guard depth now if you want to tell me guys like Hami Haikas or was it Hami Haikas is that how you say his name um and you know Jovic I, I actually think Haikas looks pretty like he'll be a dude Jamal Kane is somehow going to become a rotation player for this team and he's going to be good and it makes no sense no, and, no sense and and like yeah they'll, they'll pull you know somebody out of their ass and like I the Jovic thing I don't think Jovic is going to be good um at least not this year. I think Hawkeyes will like be a player for them, slot in, give them like a solid 15 minutes a night or whatever it is. But ultimately on aggregate, I just feel like teams like New York, Atlanta, Philly, um, those three teams very specifically are the ones I think they'll be competing with. And those teams feel like they're going to be just trying a lot harder in the regular season. than they, then, that Miami will like, we already know the Knicks will like, we know that Tim is going to treat every game. Like it's, you know, fucking, or as I guess as Wally would put it, Oh, you know, just one of the great game sevens of all time between the Cavs and uh, the Celtics in 2008, according to him. Um, but like, it was a great showdown. Like it was a great showdown. I don't know if I would call it. He called it like one of the all time memorable game sevens. It's like, all right, buddy. Like, like you playing in a game seven does not make it all time memorable. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys have seen the Hawks in preseason. All I'm saying is like, I love shitting on the Hawks. I don't think this justifies some of their bigger moves they've made, but I like what I've seen. And I like Quinn Snyder as a coach. I think he's a guy who knows how to win games in the regular season. I do think there's a little bit of Marty, Marty Schottenheimer uh, about, about him where he gets to the playoffs and he's not quite as good, but in the regular season, that guy knows how to win games. And uh, I think, I think that matters. And I do, I do kind of like the Trey is motivated arc, not in the sense of like, I, it's all like justified what he's been criticized for, but I do believe that he'll be like real motivated this season to prove the haters wrong. And I feel like Quinn Snyder has buy-in from him to do shit off ball that, no other coach has gotten him to do. Yeah, they're still finishing eighth. I don't care. Um, I mean, you can have faith in the Hawks all you want to. Uh, that team. They played like shit last year. What were they, 42 and 40? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Like, I think 
they will not be as super shitty to start the year and have weird vibes going on and want to fire their coach the way they did to start last season. And that's to me like three or four more wins. And that is a top six seed. I just don't trust their depth. I don't think they really have any. What um, did they lose that you're worried about? I mean, I just don't think they had a big lot of John talent. Collins guy. Oh, I, just, I don't think they had a lot of um, talent. I mean, they've got, I mean I, I'm sorry, Tyrese, but outside they're starting five. They've got Bogdanovich, they've got Bogdanovich, Bay, and Okongwu coming up. I mean, that's and AJ solid. Griffin. And eight, that's that's eight or nine deep right there. AJ Griffin isn't going to play. Yes, he is. What do you mean? He's going to play like 15, 17. Like he was barely playing, even with Quinn Snyder. Yeah, but but he actually played less under Quinn Snyder, by the way, especially yeah. at the end of the season. But like he's going to play. He's going to play. And at the, like he'll get, he, at worst case, he'll what? He'll get OB minutes. He'll be an OB guy, like o, an OB rotation guy. Like he's going to play a little bit. They'll be fine. I don't think their depth is a problem. I think it's like kind of overblown, actually. They, no, I'm, they, not saying, I'm not saying, I'm just like. They drafted uh, Buffkin too, right? Yeah. So. That's another guy they'll probably throw in there. Yeah, but Buffkin's from Michigan, and we all know they don't produce good NBA players. Um, it's not. It's not necessary. <laughs> Stick so, to football. Back back to the schedule, Tyrese. My genuine feeling is that through ten games, that at Boston game, I would sign for five and five right now. Oh, you're gonna take seven three. You're gonna like it. Yeah, I will like that. If okay, I'll go through it again. So I think we beat the Celtics. I think we beat the Hawks. I think we lose to the Pelicans. I think we beat the Cavaliers both games. I think we lose to the Bucks. We lose to the Clippers. Uh, we beat the Spurs. We beat the Hornets, and we lose to the Celtics at home. So that's six and four. Okay, I can't do math. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Six and four, seven and three. Maybe we beat. Maybe maybe we beat the Celtics at home. I don't know, but um. Yeah, you think I think we'll get to 14 and 9, Tyrese. 14 and 9. What do my numbers mean anything to you? 14 and 9. Think back to Sunday night. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't PI, you know it. I look, I think the, I think the NFL refs deserve a lot of oh, respect. Don't give me this respect, respect authority, Tyrese. We were watching the game. You're like, we're gonna lose this game. Man, we're, gonna just... four quarters. we're gonna lose this game. Don't I don't trust them. I don't trust the team. <laughs> I don't trust this team. I oh uh, uh, we're gonna lose this game. I can't stand our coaching. Uh who's your Ken Dorsey sucks. Uh, yeah, it's not the coaching, it's just Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey's he's like uh he's my football. And I'm like, dude, you watch Wig Martin, they'll play zero blitz on third down every single time. Like, why are you scared? Um, but yeah, Mitch. Uh <laughs> I like this. This, this is Constantine. If any of the viewers don't know who Marty, Marty Schottenheimer is, tune into strictly NFL. <laughs> are you guys gonna do like a big like Marty Schottenheimer deep dive <laughs> career career rehash of Marty Schottenheimer. I mean, you know, Marty we've Schott- actually already talked about him on the pod because we talked. I think it was the other episode you were on, Schwinn. I think you've somehow managed to bring up Schottenheimer in both episodes because we I talked. Think I've, about- I've mentioned him with regard to Tibbs a lot in my. Life. We talked about uh, on the NFL pod. We talked about that fifteen and one Chargers team in 06. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, lo- yeah. that lost in the divisional round to Brady when Brady threw the pick and then the Chargers safety <laughs> fumbled the return <laughs> i actually watched that highlight after that and i was like i i was like this game was so stupid for them to lose 
Unbelievable. Uh, Mitch is the basket that we put all our eggs in. I don't know if I'd say we put all our eggs in, in the Mitch basket. Pause. Uh, but, like, I do think he's – I mean, he's definitely really important. Like, there's no way around that. It, it's – I don't know. It's it's really – it's actually kind of incredible to think about that two years ago – or about a year ago, really, right? Like, that offseason, there was real talk of, like – and I, I'll put my hand up and say I was one of those people that was like, are we sure we want to commit to this guy? Are we sure we want to pay him and keep him long-term? Are we sure that, like, he's serious – and just to see where he's at now, like, because there are guys you pay and they just, you know, totally check out. DeAndre, right? DeAndre. I mean, there's it's not there's plenty of them, right? Um, but like, Mitch, I, I was really worried about that with Mitch, and for him to just be the exact opposite. I mean, again, like I know we talked about it earlier in the pod, but his level of maturity has really, really impressed me um, throughout the last year, and especially coming into the season, and everything. He's been awesome. Marcel Scott. Yeah. Marcel Scott, baby. Mm. <laughs> Marcel Scott mixtapes. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Jeff. It's from Dirty Dancer. You need a center like Mitch with a PG point guard like Jalen Brunson. So I think what I not think. I'm pretty confident what what he's implying here is you need someone to cover for Brunson when Brunson's getting burned at the point of attack. Um because Brunson's kind of a sieve defensively. Not kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not kind of. And he's definitely right. Um, the question is, how much of it needs to be pure rim protection, and how much does it need to be? Because the game has kind of evolved past that. and Not past that, but the game has evolved. And so you can have a backline defender who isn't an elite rim protector like Gobert, like Mitch. Um, who, like, Bam is a rim protector. I know this is kind of a cop-out because Bam's a great rim protector, but Bam would be able to cover for Brunson all over the court. You know, like that, that would be that, that that's kind of like the modern Mitch. Um offensively, I still think Brunson could do with without Mitch minutes, like or, or with less Mitch minutes or a, a more evolved Mitch. I, I'd be curious to ask Dirty Dancer, like, I don't love Miles Turner, but what so let's not use Miles Turner the player, but like the profile. Does he like Miles Turner? In does he like that kind of profile player in terms of you get the rim protection, but then you also get spacing on offense and you have more room for Brunson? Um, or does he just love the combination of Mitch on the offensive glass? Because to be fair, to be fair. Brunson's shot diet, those mid-range shots are the most offensive rebounded shots. So having Mitch paired with Brunson on offense is pretty elite there. Um, and then defensively, you have obviously Mitch, who's just kind of like superhuman with his his wingspan and his rim protection and his boxing out defensively. He's just awesome. So I wouldn't say need. That's a little bit too far to me, but I do agree that I do agree pretty strongly that we underrated how good a pairing Brunson and Mitch would be when we signed Brunson. Like nobody really talked about that, you know, like nobody would, it was just a uh, digi Tyrese. All right. My bad. Yes. The, dis- the, the disrespect. Um, <laughs> I, I, they, they do match up or uh, fit together quite well. Pause. Oh. <laughs> Uh, this right. is a dirty answer said, by the way, Jeff. He said, 
Turner doesn't rebound enough for me. Yeah, I can see that. Um, that's why they got Obi, the great power forward rebounder in Obi Toppin. Man, the Pacers are going to be... Mr. Freaka leak out himself. They're going to be interesting to watch. Dude, you, did you see the clip from tonight, Tyrese? He cost them a bucket by leaking out, and he was like, my bad, y'all, my bad. <laughs> oh, Obi? That was from last night. Oh, but yeah, classic. Oh, that, that's, but that's, they are using yeah. him as a roller, uh, which Tyrese said was actually impossible to do in the NBA, so... Um, that's cool. He's but. losing his starting job by December. Who cares? Have you seen Jarris Walker play lately? Have you been watching him preseason? Oh, okay. I, oh, I'm watching the whole, I'm watching the fucking Pacers preseason, bro. All right. When I, when I asked Tyrese last pot or last post game, I said, what are you going to do when Obi's averaging like 18 and eight? He's and Tyrese, just, Tyrese, Tyrese just goes, turn off NBA 2K. <laughs> <laughs> Look, nobody, this this hate for Obi makes no sense to me. I don't it's understand not why. Hate. It's just a realization that Obi Top. No, it's hate. It's hate it, when you're like Obi Top is eighteen and eight is eighteen leakouts and eight my bats. Okay, like why why are we even trying to convince ourselves that Obi Toppin is going to be anything more than like a nice story? That's nobody's trying to convince themselves of anything more than that. That he'll be a good player and probably was better than you know twelve minutes a night to fucking clean up Julian Julius Randall's crap all over the floor whenever he shit his shit himself um yeah it is weird though like how is there still dissent over this because randall's turned out to be really good like nick's fans should be happy about that and obi is getting an opportunity to do whatever like how are there people still turning this into like because science? he should be doing it for us yeah but i mean this just shows that the knicks can't draft so um <laughs> that's really the main takeaway from all of this so far um i i don't know i is there anything i guess let's let's close with this uh I'll, the next play again tomorrow night against the wizards um is there anything that you're looking forward to in that game and do you think we're gonna get a full dress rehearsal there or tib, like tib, tib said the five guys who sat out tonight are gonna play regular season minutes Yes. Yeah, oh so my God. We're Bruno, but but so this is my thing. Does that? I think that Mitch. I don't think he's gonna play. I don't think Mitch is gonna play. I think Hartenstein might play a little bit. I don't think he's gonna play a lot. I could also see Grimes not playing. Like I don't. He's of the five guys that didn't play tonight are gonna play regular season minutes. I hundred percent buy that. I don't entirely believe that we're gonna see all nine guys tomorrow. I think he might. I think we're going to sit a few. That's what I think. Yeah, but we are going to. I mean, there are still things to look for. Like, will yeah, that's, that's what. I mean, yeah. So, what, what are you? Brunson, will quickly and Brunson share the court together? <laughs> does sitting I think, on the bench next to each other counter sharing the court? It does. Technically, technically, <laughs> yeah. they're on the same court. I need to see them play together, but. I, I, I want to see Todd Gibson at halftime riff off his Wizards jersey and come out with a Knicks 67 <laughs> on just for the just for the just for the laughs. Like I feel like he would do it if he could too. Like in like in Mighty Ducks 3 when they came out with the Ducks jerseys after you know two periods of wearing those red jerseys. I've never seen the Mighty Ducks, so I wouldn't know, but erroneous. I watched the Lion King for the first time last month. Okay. Like we are getting there. Who are you? 
Um, yeah. <laughs> it was really good. I cried. Yeah, it is awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing RJ and Hart play at the three and four. That's what I'm looking forward to. With spaces, nice. it'll be great. Oh, yeah. That would be good. Uh, maybe they'll even do it with Art with Brunson and quickly at the one and two. Who knows? Who knows, Jeff? Maybe it'll happen. I mean, they should, but you know, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to Isaiah Roby minutes. I'm looking forward to Jericho Sims starting at the four over Julius. Could you stop? <laughs> Will you stop? Sims over Randall tomorrow, uh, starting four. I honestly four. like. Okay, I talked about it with Jeff and Sam. I'm like, if you could do something like Brunson, quickly, Grimes, Sims, Hartenstein, it probably could be like a net neutral. Because I'll be like your most, maybe like, maybe DiVincenzo instead of quick Grimes. Maybe, I don't know, DiVincenzo instead of him quickly, because I think you need your two best shooters on the court to make it work. And I would say Demon Chess is a better shooter than the Grimes. Um, or quickly rather. Yeah, one of those two lineups is the best the Knicks could do. Yeah. Like you, you need, need you need Brunson out there. You need Brunson and, and you need spacing. With yeah. you're saying with with Sims. Sims, Sims, Sims he, he was trying to build the best Sims at power forward lineup. Yeah, that I, I think I think I think there is like a viable path to it being neutral or slightly positive, but it's like why are you trying so hard to construct this lineup? He locked for... up the GDP of a small nation today. Okay, maybe <laughs> we have to. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, Tom Dippino has a plan. It is really funny that like we're always like, oh, Tibbs doesn't experiment, and then when he does experiment, we're like, don't experiment ever <laughs> again. Never experiment. Only stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't think there's anything else for us left, or anything left for us to discuss, other than uh, if you guys want to debate where you were uh, the night that Leon Rose committed the atrocity of drafting Obi Toppin over Tyrese Halliburton. Um, <laughs> I was doing the pod with y'all, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "They're gonna fucking draft." Obi Tyrese Toppin. had a meltdown. Is what happened. I was like, "They're gonna fucking draft Obi Toppin." Are you kidding? I was heated. I was like, "Devin Vassell is right there." Well, it was funnier when they drafted quickly because people were just like, oh, this is a huge reach. How could they do this? Nepotism, Kentucky, CAA. You were like, oh, hey, cool. And I'm like, yeah, right. I liked I liked quickly. I thought it was a really I was good like, prospect. I'm shocked they drafted quickly in the first <laughs> round. No, because we thought it was on Balmaro because it was before the trade. Yeah, it was the trade because they made the trade. And right? I was like, what the fuck? Look, are we doing? OKC, you know, I like what they're doing, but are we sure they're a good drafting team when they traded both the quickly and McDaniels pick on the same night? Who can say? Who can say? I mean, they also just traded Jeremiah Earl Roberts. Um, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Robinson, Robinson Earl. Earl. And that was part of the Deuce and Rokobitis trade. So, you know what? We're just beginning OKC in trades every time we trade with them, which has kind mm-hmm. of been hilarious. I do like that. Like, this is just another thing where having no morals gets you to the top. Like Sam Presti's the best because he's just like scummy and doesn't care. Well, I mean, like, I don't know. It's just like nobody would touch Kevin Porter and Sam Presti's like, oh, I'll touch him. You know, like, Two it. second round picks, baby. So, you gotta is, do it. So I actually like, I don't care that they did it. Like I, I genuinely don't. Like I, I understand that people will be like turned off by the optics of it and it feel, whatever. But like in terms of 
if you're running a business and it's just like a pure value play here and you're not even keeping the guy, I think it's fine. What annoys me is you know that like another team, if it was, it was the Knicks or if it was like, I don't know, the Lakers or some, some, if another team did this exact same transaction, the reaction would be so different to it. It'd be like, oh, this is so disgusting. Like, like is everything just about asset value? And it's like, well, but like when Presti does it, it's like, oh, like Sam Presti adds to his war chest. The Oklahoma City Thunder now have 15 first round picks. And 22 second round picks the next seven years. It's like, who I, I, fucking cares, I, man? I loved how Woj, you knew came from Presti because Woj was like, Porter, who will be waived immediately in all caps? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, we know, dude. Like, come on, Sam. Sam Presti really needed two second more, two well, second round like, picks. Do you guys remember when uh, Leon did the sit down with like Alan Hahn on MSG? That tweet where he like where Woj listed out you know fifteen first round pick, it reminded me of when Han was like, "Wait, Leon, tell me how many picks you got," and and Leon like tells him how many picks he has. He's like, "Whoa, that's a lot." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, good job, Alan." Hard hitting news. Um, all right, this is silly now. All right, let's end it here. Uh, Jeff, anything you want to close with? Anything you want people to? To know about any potential new venture that you're looking to okay um, <laughs> I, I appreciate it um yeah me and xj started a podcast slash media called hot hand theory if you don't follow us on twitter feel free to follow us you know i'm still gonna be doing a bunch of stuff for strickland i hopefully have an article coming out soon um but yeah uh, we're really excited about it our first pod episode drops next tuesday we're going to be recording this weekend um and then we're going to have weekly episodes for the full season and it's about Knicks, it's about nba we have kind of a unique format we're looking at about an hour um we're gonna have guests RAS, just just a couple for the first season we're really just trying to like establish what we're doing with the episodes but schwinn hopefully is going to be one of the guests for this first season and yeah we're really excited uh i'm doing a lot of stuff on twitter that you've seen me do for strickland you know making threads um and yeah we're really excited about it so we'd appreciate any support definitely uh we'll be looking out for that and uh best of luck to both you and xj on that should be exciting stuff uh oh yeah yeah for sure tyrese anything that you want to get off your chest regarding here um I love Ken Dorsey. I think he's an innovative offensive mind. I truly feel that the Bills have a chance to win the Super Bowl with him running their offense. And there totally was a DPI in that last play because somehow, someway, the NFL refs remained fair, unbiased, and completely, completely correct in every decision that they make. And we should never question we should never doubt. We should never assume that they don't know what they're doing because even with the gift of instant replay and an entire base of operations in New York City, they somehow managed to do the job independently on their own. Go, NFL refs. You go. I agree. NFL refs doing a really good job. They did a really good job of uh, ruling that Saquon um, didn't go out of bounds on his own. 
backwards, which should mean a running clock. Um, so really good job by them giving the Giants a stop clock there. Um, but, you know, they only call things one way. Whatever. The Giants are victims. We're the getting Drake May. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> the Giants are very much victims. Uh, the the big market of Buffalo, obviously, um, getting favorable whistle here. Uh, all right. I'm football. watching wide right all night tonight. Just for this. <laughs> I mean, you got to because you weren't fucking alive for it. Uh, okay. I have... Nothing to plug. I will just plug uh, Hot Hand Theory. I will plug. Uh, check out Strictly NFL. There may be a really cool guest. I was on it this week. Uh, that should be dropping tomorrow. I have nothing to plug personally. I, so I'm going to promote Bet Online, the greatest sponsor of all time. Thanks for everybody that's been in the chat tonight. Uh, thanks for rocking with us and thank you for everything. So hope everybody's a great night and we will see you tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.